Hi, this is Mary Lou Belli, author of Directors Tell the Story, up next on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 184 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, sequels, remakes, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. And this week, it is time, once again, for our holiday season movie preview, where we take a look at what's going to be coming your way as far as movies during the uh, holiday season in theaters. And it's already that time. It's just just going by so quickly. And here we are, and it's just uh, the holiday movie season starts up in, what, two weeks. So... Once again, we're going to look at it, see what's going to be coming your way, and it's all coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen or Beyond. And in our interview segment this week, we have an Emmy Award-winning director who has been at the helm of shows such as Monk and The Uglies and Girlfriends and Charles in Charge and a whole lot more. She is Mary Lou Belli. She's going to be talking about all those shows, about directing, and her new book, Director's Tell the story, and it's coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen or Beyond. But uh, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking about the holiday season movie preview. As it comes your way, we're going to let you know what's coming into theaters. It's next right here on On Screen or Beyond, starting out with what's coming your way for the holiday season as far as remakes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. The holiday season movie preview and remake madness it mixes because... Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy gets a remake on December 9th with Gary Oldman and Colin Firth. And it looks like The Adventures of Tintin comes your way from the comic strip to the big screen in a 3D motion capture film from Steven Spielberg. And that comes your way on December 21st. That is it for remakes coming your way this season. So it's not too many, but sequels, there's a lot coming your way. That's going to be coming up in just a minute. Next, what's coming your way for Original movies. Upcoming movies next, right here on On Screen and Beyond for the holiday season. More holiday movies coming your way this season on the holiday season movie preview here at On Screen and Beyond. It looks like on November 4th you can catch Tower Heist with Ben Stiller and Eddie Murphy in a comedy that hits theaters on November 4th, like I said. Jay Edgar from Clint Eastwood arrives in theaters on November 9th with Leonardo DiCaprio. And New Year's Eve... Not on New Year's Eve, but New Year's Eve, the movie, from Gary Marshall, brings an all-star cast that includes Ashton Kutcher, Robert De Niro, Zac Efron, Holly Berry, and many, many more stars to the theater on December 9th. And a family moves to the English countryside to run a zoo in We Bought a Zoo. And that's coming your way on December 23rd. That is it for upcoming movies from On Screen and Beyond for the holiday season. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we take our holiday season movie preview and take a look at sequels because we got a boatload of them. It's all kind of coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sequel City coming your way on the holiday season movie preview here at On Screen and Beyond. It looks like we've got uh, quite a few sequels coming your way. And on November 4th, it kicks off with a very Harold in Kumar Christmas. And that'll be coming your way, like I said, on November 4th. You know what that one's going to be like. And on November 18th, you can get happy again as Happy Feet 2 taps its way into theaters with the voice talents of Elijah Woods, Robin Williams, Brad Pitt, and many more. And on uh, November 18th, the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 continues the story of vampires and werewolves and the Muppets invade theaters once more on November 23rd with another Adventure of the Furry Puppets, as they come your way. And let's see, what else here? Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, brings Holmes and Watson back to the screen once again on December 16th. And Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, lands in theaters for the whole family on December 16th. And you can look for Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol as it accepts its mission on December 21st. That is it. For Sequel City on the Holiday Movie Preview here at On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a real treat for you. We have Emmy Award winning director. She's also a producer. It's Mary Lou Belli. She is a director who has a lot of situation comedies that you've seen. She has been at the helm of those. And she's going to talk about that. Her new book called Directors Tell the Story. And it's all coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an Emmy Award-winning director who has been at the helm of such shows including Charles in Charge, Major Dad, Sister Sister, The Uglies, Girlfriends, Monk, and many, many more. She is the co-author of a new book called Directors Tell the Story. It's Mary Lou Belli. Mary Lou, it's a pleasure to have you here on On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Your career has been so many different shows, and, and they range in uh, comedies and, and uh, Monk, which was a comedy, but not in the sense of a sitcom, that type of thing. Uh, do you prefer any certain type of uh, uh, show to direct? You know, um... Doing a show like Monk is a bigger challenge for me. It just requires more uh, of me as a director, not from a performance standpoint, but just from a planning standpoint um, in terms of cameras. Um, it's just more complicated in general to direct a single-camera show than a multi-camera show. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I try to give my multi-camera shows a single-camera look. So um, I'm trying to... Uh, make everything look as good as it can whenever I can. <laughs> well, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about, was uh, single camera versus multi-camera. And, and of course, your book um, talks about all those things. And uh, it, the, the book is very interesting. Oh, thank you so much. And, and I, Actually, this book is really much more um, uh, about single camera, mm-hmm. uh, from soup to nuts. It's divided into three parts. We talk about the prep, the shoot, 
and then the post-production time. Um, my first book, uh, the sitcom career book, is really straightforward. Well, how do you do a multi-camera comedy? Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's really, you know, if you were going to do an hour episodic on television, um, and by the way, it's just like doing a movie, um, <laughs> how would you do it? Um, and what are all the inside tricks that um, both Bethany Rooney, my co-author, and I mm-hmm. have found from our experience? Now, how did you decide to come about and write this book? Should we get together one day and say, hey, you know, this would be fun? Or This had a very specific um, moment when this happened. Um, I had been introduced to Bethany Rooney uh, by my good friend, uh, Nancy Lee Myatt, who was the co-executive producer of a series called South of Nowhere. Bethany was directing um, a whole bunch of episodes of this series, and uh, Nancy Lee knew that I really wanted to... Uh, really broaden my horizons and, and do single camera um, as much as I had done multi-camera because we had known each other from the multi-camera world. And um, I went on the set and I observed um, on uh, for 12-hour days with Bethany um, and while observing her and watching the phenomenal director she is, we talked about directing. We talked about directing every moment that she wasn't directing. And we realized that we had this love of the craft and more than that, the love of really um, telling others how to do it well. So well, uh, uh, go about six months later, the series is over. Bethany and I have become friends now. We're meeting at this cute little cafe in Studio City called the Aroma Cafe, um, where actually we had our first book signing for this book. Um, and she... Um, and we were talking about directing still, and she she was asking about you know my first two books, the sitcom career book and actor, acting for young actors, and I just had this inkling she wants to write a book. She had been teaching a little bit um, and had written a manual for the teaching she was doing about directing, and I said, "Do you want to write a book about this?" And she said, "Only if you'll do it with me." Hmm. <laughs> and um, I think within. Two months of that, we had a book contract, or at least an offer. And, of course, the contract takes a little bit longer to, you know, figure yeah, out the yeah. details. But um, someone wanted to do this book with us. Uh, mm. So um, is it... Focal di- Press, as a matter of fact. Focal Press, focal press the people yeah. who wanted to do this book with us. Yeah. It, it Was it difficult having two directors who, you know, I mean, let's face it, the directors are the ones who are in command of the shows. Uh, is it tough when there's two directors at the same you time know, trying to write a book? It's interesting. It wasn't because, you know, I don't think we would have uh, agreed to write the book if our approaches to directing were uh, very divergent, Mm -hmm. and they weren't. So when we talked on the set about directing, we had so much in common that we knew when it came to writing it that our approaches would be the same. Now, that being said, there were a couple times during the book um, where uh, we specifically say in the text, Mary Lou did this. Bethany does that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I would say most of the time um, we we saw eye to eye on most things, and um, because directors, as you say, you know, are solo acts, we don't really talk to each other that much about it. So I think we, I, I know for me, I learned a lot just by what she was writing, mm-hmm. and she um, had some insight <clears throat> from me when I was writing, and that's how we actually approach things. We split the um, once we had the table of contents 
and we knew exactly what we wanted in the book. We assigned, I'll write this, and then you rewrite me, and then I'll write that, and, and wait, you, let me see this. This is how we did it. <laughs> we divided, um, we looked at the table of contents, and we said, who's going to write what first? And then we would rewrite each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say we read it, wrote each other many times. So it would go back and forth and back and forth. And as a matter of fact, we weren't in the same room for most of the writing of this book. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. So is it, when people think of director, you think of the director sitting in the chair, you know, telling the actors what to do. In a sitcom or any TV show, how involved is the director in the overall uh, like the editing and, and everything else that's involved, or does the director come in and just do their their directing part and leave? You know, um, it depends on show to show, at least on a sitcom, how much in, involvement you might have from the very beginning in terms of pre-production and story meetings and things like that. But once you get on the set, the, direc- the director is the boss and guaranteed by the Directors Guild of America, which is the um, guild that we work under, um, uh, the director gets the first cut of the show. Nobody sees it except the editor who does the first assembly and then the director until the director says, this is what I envisioned from what I shot. Yeah. Now, on a, our show, I would say a director is much more involved. And it is some of the appeal for me in terms of wanting to do our episodic was that pre-production time because it's a huge amount of work that goes into pre-production on a single camera show in terms of tone meetings, um, scouting locations, department head meetings. And not that we don't have a production meeting on a sitcom, but it's not nearly as involved Mm -hmm. um, as it would be on um, our episodic. Now, that being said, I leave um, to do a show called The Game, which is a spinoff from Girlfriend, which is a show I did for seven years. Next week, and I'm doing a week of prep on that, and then um, shooting the show the follow two, shooting two episodes the following week, and that will, even though it's a half hour show, will very much have a single camera um, feel and style and prep time, mm-hmm. um, and then again post production usually is about the same for both shows. Hmm. Do you have a preference of being completely involved with it? Oh, you know what? I love being completely involved. Mm -hmm. The more you can use my skill set, and my skill set is, you know, and I think it's where we got the idea for the title of the book, Directors Tell the Story, is that Bethany and I I both see ourselves as storytellers. Mm -hmm. So if we can come in at the beginning and very much get involved in the fine-tuning of the script... Now, on TV, there isn't much time because by the time you get the script, hopefully it's in very good shape. But if it's not or if there's a story point that that needs finessing, um, I love that opportunity to be a collaborator um, with the writer's vision um, so that then I can deliver exactly what they want um, when I film it and when um, we go into the uh, post-production and edit it. And I got to tell you, the the cover of the book, I, I like the symbolism of the the fire, uh, campfire, and the director's chair, sort oh, of like I'm you so know glad. sitting around a campfire listening to the storyteller. Yeah, that was you know that was um, uh, Bethany really came up with that the the uh, germ of that idea, and 
Um, we had a couple different people work on it, but uh, Devin DeLapp was our um, cover designer, and he he really came up with something that we thought um, would symbolically, you know, say we have been storytellers for so long, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, since ancient times, since people sat around a campfire or a fire telling stories, yeah. and now in this modern age, the directors, really, it's their job. In the book, you mentioned uh, there was a part that talks about, like you were saying, the director's cut mm-hmm. and the final cut. Like I say, you're going to educate me here. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling I know where this is going. <laughs> What's the difference between the director's cut, who you would think would have the final cut, and, and the final cut? The final cut is not just uh, one after the editor's cut. It's many, many uh, different versions. After the editors see it, it then goes to a um, the producers who edit it, and then after the producers edit, give you know think they have it in great shape. They show it to the network. The network will have notes on it, and it'll go through another um, version after that. Um, there are some directors, um, and sometimes I feel this way that. <laughs> It looks so dif- different from what I envisioned that I don't even watch it on the air. <laughs> really? I was going to ask you that. You know, have you ever had any shows, and, and you don't have to name anything, I'm not asking you that, but uh, th- that you just you, you cringe and say, this is not what I, and they've lost everything. Uh, you know what? They never lose everything. But, you know, sometimes it's I never envisioned that shot coming after that shot. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, I know it doesn't cut well. And I know that I had three other things that would have cut better. So why did they choose that one when clearly it wasn't in my cut? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's for performance. You know, sometimes it, they think things don't match. Sometimes they're just they just have quirks that they like about certain certain shots that they definitely want in, whether they look good or not. And their excuse might be the uh, uneducated eye may not catch what you're catching. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes they don't catch what I'm catching. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the book, the way you've uh, you've written it, and you've got the little the insider info in the, in the book with um, you know little little tidbits about what the what you're talking about in each individual chapter and things like that. And you even have little uh, uh, directions of, as far as how to set up camera angles and things like that. Yeah, that. You know, we try we try to be. We really wanted this to be a practical handbook for someone who really wants to direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were going to practice that at a collegiate level, we wanted it to be a textbook, you know, to say, okay, what do I really have to know if I get that shot? Because the fact is, it's a very tough um, uh, road to becoming a director. And when you get that shot, you have to be there, ready, and do it well. And if you don't, you might blow that one chance you have. Yeah. When you started out, uh, do you want to be a director? Is that, that No. As a matter of fact, I graduated um, uh, with a concentration in acting. I was a theater major at Penn State University. Uh-huh. And um, I had taken one obligatory directing class, and I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think part of that, and it, it goes to the title of the book, Directors Tell the Story, I think to be a director you have to have a point of view. Um, and I was very young. I graduated from college in three years. Um, there was a worldliness that I and life experience I didn't have, 
And I think until I had that, I, I didn't bring what I needed to directing. What I did have in college was um, really, really strong organizational skills. I had um, worked as a stage manager and a company manager and um, and an actor. And then when I got out of college, I was producing a lot. So my um, those skills of coordinating things and moving things forward are very, very good, which are really vital to a director. Um, but in terms of coming into my own and, and saying, why do I want to tell this story? Where's the heart of it? What do I want the audience to feel? Um, until I was a little bit more grown up, um, and those grown-up things were very specific. It was my first year in New York, I was... My apartment was burglarized twice. I had a person die on my lap on a, a East Town bus. My roommate at the time lost her mom to a long battle with cancer. Um, and we would drive, you know, uh, to go see her on weekends, or I would just try to be that support unit for her. And we're still close to this day. Um, but, you know, when things like that happen, you grow up a lot. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. And, and and actually, my road to directing came from an actor on the set who I was coaching, an actor named um, Jack Riley, whom um, most people know from sitcoms as Mr. Carlin on the New Heart Show. Oh, okay. And Jack, um, when I was pointing out things on the set, which were much more than just acting things, but it was about seeing the whole picture, he said, you should be a director. And I said, oh, no, I shouldn't, Jack. I took this one class in college. I was terrible. He said, you should be a director. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, I do like this. I'm naturally bossy by nature. <laughs> and um, at that point, I, I thought, okay, so what skill sets do I still need to hone? And um, the acting part was pretty much in my tool bag already. The telling other actors how to act as a coach was pretty much honed as well. But I didn't know cameras yet. And I also, in terms of telling a whole story, not just an individual performance within a scene, um, I started directing a lot of plays, and I directed and or produced about 75 plays, um, a lot of them one acts, but here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. a lot of them um, world premieres or West Coast premieres. Uh, and then um, I directed my first play and, uh, and my first couple plays, and and I got my shot, as you said, on Charles in Charge. Charles in Charge, um, yeah. With a, with a producer named Al Burton, who was very supportive, and, and his assistant then, Steve Stark, who is a person I'm still trying to keep working with to this day. But I, you know, yeah. it's a it's a small showbiz family. And mm -hmm. when you like someone a lot, you know, you try to keep working with them. Yeah, yeah. It's It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It, is it or was it harder for women to get into directing um and is it still hard for women it's to get ridiculously into? hard uh -huh. it's it's it, it's just um dominated by men now if as a woman you approach it that way you'll never get in so i would say most of the good directors i know who happen to be women 
their first goal is just to be a good director mm-hmm. and hope they get work because they're just a good director. Yeah. And with Bethany, that is absolutely the case. She's probably one of the most prolific and, and um, single-camera directors around and one of the best, if not the best I've seen. She's just amazing. And um, uh, I feel lucky that she's been my mentor and my teacher uh, in terms of honing that part of my skill set. Mm-hmm. Working on so many different styles of shows, uh, is there one that you prefer over the other as far as you know, comedy or drama? You know, Monk was that perfect combination for me because it, it tapped my right. comedy skill set um, and still gave me that single camera experience. Mm-hmm. So if I could, you know, so when I look at shows on TV that have a, a wryness, I mean, what shows would I love to do? I would love to do Castle. I would love to do um, The Mentalist. You know, yeah. I would love to do uh, character-driven, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Or right, we take yeah. ourselves seriously, but we have a sense of humor about ourselves. Right, yes. Um, kind of shows. Um, so when I see a show like that, I go, oh, this would be great for me. And then when I see the big blow them up shows, I go, you know, there's somebody else who's going to want to love to do that one, but that's not the one I want to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it seems actually that more shows have that little bit of drama and a little bit of sense of humor about themselves. Than... I, I think they know that, that, that that's what the audience is looking for. Yeah. And yeah. that sometimes you can send your message home um, in the guise of comedy. You know, there was a wonderful... Um, one-woman show that Whoopi Goldberg did on Broadway. All the characters she had developed and all these wonderful little um, pieces that fit together um, in her one-woman show and each of them individual and gems in and of themselves. But one thing I learned from watching Whoopi is that she would tell a very, very, very funny story and then she would just twist at the end and it would have a serious ending um, and it would just, it would grab you, and it would, like, catch you by surprise, and at the same time move you because you didn't see it coming. Uh, yeah. And at the same time, there's other people, and, and it will be too sometimes, as, who does just the opposite, tell something serious and then kill you with a joke at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all the TV shows that you've directed, uh, is there any one that is more of a favorite that you, that you liked? I mean, I, I know they're all something to you because they're, they're your, your baby, more or less. Uh, but is there one that you're most proud of? You know, um, uh, my time, and, and sometimes there's sentimental reasons. My time on Major Dad was very, very special to me, and I still have very close friends from that show, partly because it was at a time in most of our lives when we were you know, we were married, we were having children, we were buying our first houses, and in addition to trying to produce and or trying to direct a great TV show, we all had very similar um, likes, dislikes, and it was a huge, big, happy family. Um, and I would say most of that came from the person who was our executive produ- producer and our fearless leader, a guy named Rick Hawkins, who um, is one of the most positive, constructive, smart guys I've had a chance to work for. And um, and I really refined my eye for directing 
with the director who did most of those shows, Michael Lembeck, who was a guy who put himself on the line and said, you should give Mary Lou a shot to direct this show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other show that comes to mind for me um, uh, is a show I'm going to next, and for a completely different reason. I don't know these people very well at all. Um, it's a show called The Game. Yeah. Um, but it was possibly one of the hardest working casts I ever worked with. So when their series um, went on hiatus um, after being, I guess, canceled on the CW network, um, and it got a new chance, a new life on BET, um, I I was just so happy for everyone who was part of that team, especially Mara Brock-Akeel, who had created Girlfriends and this show. Um, uh, but because everybody worked so hard, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, you know, they deserve this second chance. Yeah. And then, of course, the um, unprecedented numbers. With reality TV mm-hmm. coming up, you know, uh, no, it, it's sort of, to me, it's fading away, but maybe oh, not. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so. Well, that's what, what I was going to ask you. How do you feel about reality TV? I think you've just found out. <laughs> I, I don't, um, listen, there are some gorgeous discovery programs, National Geographic, things where there is a huge amount of beautifully shot, beautifully researched, um, insightful things to watch on TV that are educational mm-hmm. and great. Um, but when you're wasting away your time on people's petty jealousies and obnoxious bad behavior, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> You know, I just go, oh, can't we just go read a book? (laughs) Um, Especially, you know, since there is so much great TV on. I go, do you really want to watch that? Yeah. Like, you're kidding, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's, Like you say, there is some reality TV that's, that's, for one thing, it's it's really reality (laughs) Mm -hmm. as opposed to, Simulation. The, 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 let's put your Simulation. hair out, scream and yell and, and swear at each other. TV, which yeah, was, yeah. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, there's some good, yeah. but there's there's a lot of bad. Yeah. I think it's one of the reasons I'm so proud of being a television director is because I think in the history of television we have never had better scripted programming than we do right now. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 writing on TV is so smart and so well constructed. Um, you know, you can compare it to some of the best movies you see and go, you know, it's better sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that because reality stuff uh, came in and people have jumped on it so much that TV has had to adapt to it and come out with better writing and better stories and, mm-hmm. and you know, to try to, you know, try to get them away from that right. <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, Mary Lou, I want to finish up with just a couple of more questions here. Sure, go right ahead. Um, But this steps away from everything. It's more of a personal thing. Mm -hmm. As far as you yourself, what are your favorite TV shows of all times? Not necessarily ones you've worked on. Oh, that's a hard one. Let me think about it. What do you enjoy watching? Um, I tend to watch episodic TV. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um... I was worried. I, I thought you were going to tell me one of these, <laughs> these, no, these no, reality no, 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 no. shows. I'm trying to think, you know, of the new shows this 
season. Um, it's rare that a, a sitcom of Friends comes on that I don't say, oh, I'll watch this through because mm-hmm. it'll be fun. Um, anything with Michael J. Fox in it, oh, yeah. I will watch. Yeah. Um, the Frasers were so beautifully constructed. Um, Ted Danson is another gem. Um, but I'll also watch the old stuff. You know, what do I show my classes? I show my classes Designing Women, Mary Tyler Moore, Dick mm. Van Dyke, yeah. um, uh, Seinfeld, especially for the comic genius of Michael Richards. Um, I'll show them a Rhoda, you know. Oh, I, yes, I will. Yeah. I will point out the, the, the great stuff. Um, and now American Family um, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some funny, funny stuff in the cartoon vein as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. Seth MacFarlane is just a genius as far yeah, as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. And what I just heard his album. He can sing. <laughs> oh, my God, does that man have a beautiful really? voice. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's on my it. Christmas wish list. <laughs> <laughs> I want that DVD or oh. that CD of his. Yeah. What about movies? What are your favorite all-time movies? You know, um, you're going to laugh. Um, I'm a huge, huge Aaron Sorkin fan. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I have probably seen American President, I don't know, 30 times. Um, I also love really good um, romantic comedies. Um, I think Hugh Grant is, is just brilliant. So I've um, seen Notting Hill more times than I can say. I think uh, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in Pretty Women. Um, I think it's another great movie. I think Gary Marshall has a has a uh, just a gift for comedy when he's directing. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and of course, I you know I like a lot of serious movies, but you know. For entertainment, that's where I go. Yeah, but when you mentioned nobody's mentioned in all the years I've been doing this, nobody's mentioned American President, and and I do enjoy that movie. It was on a while ago there, and I taped it, and I said, "This is a good film." It just film. holds up. It just holds up. Oh, and, and at the same time, you know, you can also look at uh, a few good men. Oh yes. You know, which is also Aaron Sorkin. You just go, "Wow, yeah. wow!" And my husband and I are watch, watching every episode of West Wing again. Mm-hmm. We've ordered them by the season, and Every single one holds up. Jeez. Well, Mary Lou, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and I wish you luck with the directors. uh, Directors tell the story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great fun. Mary Lou Bell, I want to thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us. I've actually met Mary Lou many times at the California Independent Film Festival over the years, and uh, want to, you know, we've tried to connect at the show, but uh, we just haven't had a chance to uh, get her on the show here. But uh, finally, I got a chance to get her on the show. Appreciate her taking the time to talk to us, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that one. And we got more great guests coming your way each week, and I hope you're going to join me for that. And it's just about a wrap for this week here at On Screen or Beyond. But first, I want to remind you, if you've got a suggestion of a guest, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'll see what we can do about uh, getting your person, your favorite person, on here, and uh, we'll see what we can do. I've also made some arrangements with some great guests and uh, we've, uh, you know, trying to make the connection so, you know, the day they can do it, I can't, and, you know, back and forth. Anyways, it works uh, back and forth until we finally can get them on here, and uh, we got some great guests coming your way. So I hope you're going to be joining us in the next couple of weeks. And right now, 
it is a wrap for this week's show. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. <laughs>